0: Welcome to the Bloomberg Law podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on bloomberg.com/podcasts. Au pairs have been coming to this country for more than half a century through a program overseen by the US State Department. More than 90,000 au pairs are using U.S. courts to challenge the au pair program in a type of legal action that allows them to band together, a class action. They claim that 15 private agencies engaged in a wage-fixing conspiracy, colluding to keep their compensation below the minimum wage. And the au pairs have cleared a hurdle. A, Cla- a Colorado federal judge has certified the class, allowing the lawsuit to proceed. Joining me is Josh Idelson, Bloomberg Business. Business week reporter. Josh, tell us about the program.
1: Thanks for having me. So, this is a program under which young foreign workers under 27 come to the U.S. They provide live in child care. They work on paper, it's supposed to be no more than 45 hours a week. It is part of the J1 so called cultural exchange visa program overseen by the State Department. And if you listen to the sponsor agencies, these private companies that oversee the program as certified by the State Department tell it, they would say this is not primarily a work program. It's a give and take where someone welcomes a stranger into their home and That stranger helps them with the kids and gets treated as part of the family.
0: So it's billed as a cultural exchange program, not a labor program. What do these au pairs say about that billing versus reality?
1: Well, something I heard from multiple plaintiffs as well as attorneys is this is something that's marketed to the au pairs as the best year of your life and a cultural opportunity and marketed to the families who are hosting them as cheap child care and a chance to employ someone for a lot less money than you would have to pay finding someone some other way in the U.S.
0: So the plaintiffs are suing these 15 private agencies that basically control the old pair labor market. Tell us about their claims and their use of the antitrust law.
1: So they allege that there is a wage fixing conspiracy where these agencies who, when the lawsuit was filed, were the only agencies Authorized by the State Department to administer the program, together set a rate as what will be presented to the au pairs as the most they can make, and presented to the families as what all au pairs get paid. And uh, among the allegations are that au pairs were falsely told not just that this was the government's rate for what they should be paid exactly but that they could be deported if they tried to get some other rate. Among the evidence is allegedly conversations that an investigator had with officials at the agencies, in which they, again, allegedly confirmed that there's an agreement among the agencies to get everybody paying this rate. Now, the agencies say this is a ridiculous allegation because it's really – the government that said this is the amount o'pairs will get paid. A magistrate judge, however, said that was a ridiculous claim to make because the alleged government document really is just reminding people of the floor on what's allowed under wage laws.
0: So, this lawsuit is one of many controversies surrounding these J visas, which Donald Trump, when he was a candidate, pledged to replace with an inner city youth jobs program. Tell me about some of the other controversies.
1: That's right, we've seen over the past several years strikes actually by some J-1 summer travel student work participants. We saw one among people working uh, at Hershey's in Pennsylvania. We saw people working for a McDonald's franchisee go on strike, alleging that they were being made to work more than 20 hours consecutively and being charged exorbitant rates to live in a basement controlled by the franchisee. So, uh, cultural exchange, uh, I talked to some of those strikers years ago and they said they did get a cultural exchange coming together with these other students from around the world and going on strike and defying this company, but it, it was not the cultural <laughs> exchange that was advertised.
0: Certainly not. What is the status of the J visas?
1: Well, there have been rumors that there will be major changes to these programs under President Trump. This is an area where you have heard concerns from the left and from the right, though certainly phrased somewhat differently. But we don't really know what, if any, change there will be to this program under this administration. And the State Department uh, did not wish to speak at length about it.
0: How big a hurdle was it for the plaintiffs in this case, the au pairs, to get class action certification?
1: Well, class certification, as in any case, is a very big deal. And prior to that, the fact that this case survived motion to dismiss and that the magistrate judge and the federal judge who largely embraced the magistrate judge's ruling saw these as allegations that should proceed, and in fact, Uh, said that if what is being alleged is true, there is what another judge has referred to as the smoking gun in a price-fixing case, actual explicit conspiracy to set prices of people's labor. We often think of antitrust as all about prices for consumers, but it's equally about wages for workers.
0: And what's the likelihood now that there might be a settlement of this case?
1: Well, You know better than I do at the point that there's been a class action certification hurdle crossed. If you are providing counsel as a defense attorney, that can change your calculation. We are waiting for the end of the week for the deadline for the defendants to formally announce that they would seek federal appeals court uh, consideration of that motion uh, on class certification but uh, I imagine there's some calculation going on at the moment.
0: Thanks, Josh. It's, it's really a fascinating area. Au pairs have come up so much in the past. It's not surprising there's a lawsuit. That's Josh Idelson, Bloomberg Businessweek reporter. Harvey Weinstein faces a wave of sexual assault claims stretching back to the 70s. Now Weinstein and his company are facing a civil rights lawsuit by the state of New York. The stakes are high, including sale of the troubled studio. New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman said a four-month investigation revealed a pervasive pattern of sexual harassment, intimidation, and discrimination that was flagrant.
2: We have never seen anything As despicable as what we've seen here. We made it very clear that our three principles are very simple. Um, Victims and employees have to be treated fairly going forward. We don't think that is too much to ask uh, of anyone who wants to continue the work of the Weinstein Company or purchase its assets.
0: And that last part is key. Schneiderman said an offer to buy Weinstein's film and TV company is not acceptable in its current form. Weinstein's attorney, Ben Brafman, said that many of the allegations against Weinstein are without merit. And while his behavior was not without fault, there certainly was no criminality. My guest is an expert in this area, Jennifer Ann a visiting scholar at Harvard Law School. Jennifer, tell us more about the allegations in the lawsuit.
2: Well, the lawsuit alleges a number of civil rights violations and um, a a pattern and practice of systemically discriminating uh, against women and also enabling Harvey Weinstein to sexually assault uh, and uh, engage in violent behavior uh, with Either employees or um, women who were uh, potential clients of his. Jennifer. So it, go yeah, ahead. it's just a, it's a civil rights lawsuit, basically.
0: It, we've seen lawsuits by employees against companies for sexual harassment and discrimination, civil rights violations. Is it unusual to have a state sue a company?
2: It's not unusual in the sense that you get um, departments of Fair Employment and Housing. is the the department in California, and you can have a variety of state agencies um, engaging in lawsuits on behalf of aggrieved employees. Um, But typically, if there are employees who can come forward, they do, and they don't go through Um, Like the EEOC, typically, if they have the ability to sue privately on their own, um, typically because many of the state uh, agencies don't get as much uh, in prosecuting the lawsuits. Um so this one is a little bit unusual in that sense but um I also note um I've I've read the lawsuit and I note that um, the state is suing not only uh for violations of these laws but for civil penalties to the state of New York for example uh for $100,000 for each violation um of particular New York uh statutes 250,000 for a violation of another one so that can add up to a lot of money so there so the, the attorney general's office is putting the state of New York in as um as a sort of a recipient of assets um, from this company and from the Weinstein brothers.
0: Weinstein is trying to sell the studio to Maria Contreras-Sweet, who was the head of the Small Business Administration for three years under President Obama. This lawsuit was filed electronically on Sunday before the deal was set to close. Why did the AG want to block that deal?
2: It's not so much that the AG wants to block the deal. The deal. The AG could have blocked the deal, arguably. Um, and so what? The, what the AG is doing is putting New York's claims on record file and alerting the buyers that the state of New York is not agreeable to the sale under the sale's particular. Current terms. Now there's some controversy over what those terms are, and some dispute with the buyers claiming that they have a fund for victims. But and, and at first I was sympathetic because if the sale doesn't go through, there's a potential for bankruptcy in which everyone loses. It. However. I I think the Attorney General um, may be taking some short-term hostility for some long-term gain for the state and everyone else, because um, the Attorney General is pointing out some problems. For example, um, what has been specified as a fund is really a litigation fund, which could go to pay attorneys such as Gloria Allred, um, who's representing some of the uh, women who have been aggrieved. And what the AG's office is specifying is that there would be a victim's fund to make sure that the victims um, are compensated for their injuries. Um, There's also some question as to whether or not the perpetrators who engaged in cover-ups and who facilitated Harvey Weinstein's egregious behavior, uh, it looks like they were going to continue on with the company once it was purchased, and that's part of the attorney general's problem uh, with the sale. And it's not to say that these people wouldn't clean up their act under, you know, sort of uh, oversight by the predominantly female board of directors, uh, but to allow people who have engaged in such egregious cover-up behavior is pretty shocking. Um, and so the Attorney General is, is, on behalf of the people of New York, uh, stating some objection to that. And I think understandably so. And in this era of hashtag Me Too and Time's Up, Um, I think it's important to draw attention to this issue.
0: Uh, Jennifer, we have just about uh, 30 seconds here. The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission hasn't seen a spike in sexual harassment claims despite the fallout from the Weinstein scandal and the advent of Me Too, uh, the Me Too movement. Is there any reason you see for that in about 30 seconds only?
2: Uh, It's possible that companies are being proactive. I hope that's the answer. And, and are taking this in-house and are resolving these issues um, in a way that doesn't require people to go to outside agencies, such as the EEOC. Thank you so much for being here
0: and your insights. That's Jennifer Ann Droback, a visiting scholar at Harvard Law School. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com podcast podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher-level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move.